Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. Hey, welcome everybody. It's five o'clock here on the West Coast. This is the first Thursday offering from Refuge Recovery World Services. I'm Noah. Um, I like to try to remember to clarify for anybody who's joining us for the first time that this is not a refuge recovery meeting. Refuge recovery meetings are peer-led. Um, this is actually a teacher-led uh, offering from World Services where I'll give some meditation instructions and usually I introduce a topic and then have some kind of intentional crosstalk back and forth Q&A kind of thing. So different than a refuge meeting. If you're brand new and you haven't been to refuge meetings, please go check that out. It's different than this. Uh, all of those are listed on our, our site, refugerecovery.org. But welcome to everybody that's been here before. Welcome to anybody that's here for the first time tonight. I, um, I do have a, a loose topic in mind, but I'm also um, planning to cut it a little bit short tonight because uh, I've got to get to a concert, you know, we have to, I've, I've uh, my favorite punk rock band from 1984 is playing tonight and they're playing early because, you know, the old guys, they like to play early. And so I need to uh, get across town to this show. So I'm going to cut class a little bit early. Um, but I want to just welcome everybody and we'll start with a meditation. We'll just do some mindfulness meditation practice. And then um, I, I kind of have a topic, but I might also just do, see if there's any questions um, about anything Buddhist uh, from, from you guys to keep it in, in real time. But find a way to sit that's meditative, upright, relaxed. Adjust your posture. Soften any unnecessary tension that your body may be holding. Often around our eyes or jaw, shoulders or belly, we hold tension, tightness, resistance. And mindfulness, part of what we're learning is to accept the way things are rather than resisting non-resistance, non-attachment, non-aversion. We can do that with our posture, just upright, relaxed, softening the belly, eyes gently closed. And establishing present time awareness, what's happening right now in your body, your heart, your mind. Bringing an attitude of friendliness, of kindness, of radical acceptance to your mood, your sensations. 
your present time experience. Remembering to soften, remembering to establish and re-establish the intention to be kind and friendly towards your mind and your body, no matter what's happening. And then spending a few minutes directing our attention to the sensations that the breath creates, mindfulness of breathing. Breathing in, know that you're breathing in. Breathing out, know that you're breathing out. We use the breath to establish awareness in the body, which allows us to disengage from the thinking mind. Let the thoughts be in the background. Let the foreground of our attention be focused on the sensations of the breath coming and going. Perhaps noting in as you breathe in and out as you breathe out. We're not stopping the mind but we're trying to stop paying attention to what the mind is thinking about. Let it be in the background. Of course, the attention wanders away from the breath. We find the balanced 
energy of returning. When you come back to the breath, try to do it intentionally with patience, with acceptance, without judgment of what the mind has been thinking about. Just come back to the breath, training the mind like we would train a puppy with persistence, but gentleness. Investigating the impermanent nature of the sensations of the breath, rising and passing, constantly changing sensation, the beginning, the middle, and the end of each breath.
In one teaching, the Buddha said, this first foundation, mindfulness of the breath and body, could teach us the whole Dharma, everything that we need to know revealed right here in the body, the truth of impermanence, the unreliable, unsatisfactory nature of both pleasure and pain, and the impersonal. The body just breathes all by itself. So much of our experience is happening through us. It's not personal. It's just what a body does, just what a mind does. Breaking the self-centeredness of being identified, taking it all personal. Even the breath just showing us. It's not me breathing. The body is breathing all by itself. Thoughts arising all by themselves, emotions coming and going. We're not creating them, but awareness is experiencing the human condition. And opening to the second foundation of mindfulness, investigating the feeling tone, even with the breath still, to perceive, experience the breath as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. Are some breaths more pleasant than others? Investigate this. Inquire, examine your relationship to the sensation, the experience of breathing, the feeling tone of the breath.
And then expanding beyond the breath, investigating your body from head, face, neck, shoulders, arms, legs. For sensation, what's pleasant in the body right now? Where is there pain, unpleasantness? Becoming aware that most of the body sensations we can feel, but they're neutral, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Not our attention naturally drawn towards what feels good or what doesn't feel so good. Pleasure and pain calling for our attention. Neutrality, not so interesting. And lastly, opening to the mind rather than ignoring the mind, third foundation, fourth foundation of mindfulness. We turn our awareness towards the mind. Almost like we're observing. Awareness is knowing thoughts as they arise and pass. The impermanent nature of thought, the process. As well as the content, seeing, oh, this is a craving, this is a worry. This is a resentment arising in the mind or a reminiscing, a memory, a plan. Awareness of what's happening and how those thoughts feel, what thoughts are pleasant. Some very pleasant memories come in meditation sometimes, some very pleasant fantasies. Pleasant emotions, joy, tranquility. Compassion is quite pleasant in the mind. Appreciation, gratitude, those pleasant mind states. as well as the unpleasant, the afflictive emotions. Non-judgmental awareness of what's happening in the heart and the mind and how it's feeling right now in this moment.
Mindfulness teaches us everything we need to know to free ourselves from suffering, the impermanent, impersonal, unreliable, unsatisfactory nature of the mind, the body. And as we turn towards pain, we learn to be more tolerant and compassionate. And as we turn towards pleasure, we learn to let go, become more non-attached. When you're ready, allowing your eyes to open. your attention back to the room, the Zoom room. So I think I'll save my topic for next month because i know if i start talking about it i won't i don't quite have enough time um to really unpack it before i want to take off tonight I'll tell you what the topic is was um i wanted to talk about in this first thursday um the buddha's teachings on karma and the importance of ethics and how uh, central it is in refuge recovery, what we're doing on the Eightfold Path, those three aspects, the three center aspects of uh, wise action, wise livelihood, and wise speech um, as being acts of ethics and of karmic purification. Uh, and in particular, the importance of the five precepts. But it's a it's a good topic, but I want to have a bit more time to unpack it. So let's save it for next month. And for tonight, reflect on your recovery, your meditation practice, your involvement with this Buddhist path to healing from addiction, to recovering from addiction. And any questions that are up for you in your practice about what we're doing in refuge uh, one of the things for this first thursday is where you can ask questions about some of the buddhist teachings that aren't necessarily in the refuge book i um you know when writing the refuge book uh tried to keep it very simple and the sort of here's the the basics of what we need. Uh, here's the basics of what the Buddha taught uh, around the Four Noble Truths and Eightfold Path. But of course, there's a lot of Buddhist teachings that are beyond the Four Noble Truths and Eightfold Path, and and you know aren't aren't in our in our text in our book. So if there's any questions that you have tonight, you can um, raise your hand through the reactions tab in the bottom of the screen there, and I'll call on you, and we can discuss any aspect of refuge recovery or any questions about Buddhist teachings, uh, which I may or may not know the answer to, but I'll 
take a crack at it. <laughs> I'll let you know if I think I know the answer. Nobody's got any questions. All right, we've got a customer. Nick, would you mind turning on your camera? Is it possible? Can you can you hear me, Nick? I'm happy to take your question, but I'd like you to turn on your camera if you could. Uh, can you hear me? I'm having a little AV issue. Okay. Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Sorry. Um, just a question more about seated meditation. Um, during longer periods of seated meditation, as I start to relax into it, uh, my breath becomes more and more shallow to a point to where I'll then realize I need to take a deep breath or a few big deep breaths to catch up. I'm, I'm losing oxygen because my breath has become so shallow. When you're sitting, do you try to keep a regular cadence to your breath work so you're not distracted by the lack of breath you start to develop? Right. Um, so in my own practice, I haven't found that necessary. <clears throat> and the way that I practice and the way that I um, hear the Buddha's teachings uh, is an encouragement to try to relax enough that you don't have to control the body uh, at all. You don't have to control the breath or manipulate it, but that really the effort, the uh, emphasis is put on just receiving the body's breath. In the mindfulness of breath teachings, the Buddha even says, um, if the breath is shallow, no, I'm breathing shallow. Bring awareness. Oh, oh this is shallow breath. Or if the breath is deep, know it as deep. Uh, unlike a lot of meditation techniques that give us specific ways to breathe, like in some of the yogic breaths or, um, uh, you know, where they're like, well, breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth or breathe deep or hold the breath, you know, all of those different instructions. My sense was that the Buddha was saying, just pay attention to how your body is naturally breathing. And if it's shallow, that's okay. And if it's shallow, also what we'll see, and this is maybe our experience, Nick, um, is that if your body starts to breathe a little too shallow, it will take some deep breaths, you know, like it won't let you pass out. <laughs> it, won't, it won't let you get so oxygen deprived. It, you know, your body will all by itself be like, you know, 
Um, yeah, and, and then in, in the back of my mind, I'm always fearful that I'm being distracted to the other people sitting next to me because I've now gasped for air. Yeah. Um, well, two things. Interesting for us to look at our um, self-consciousness around that. Um, and a good reframe in community and sangha is to remember that we're all just being mindful of what is, any sound. We're not trying to create a silent container. So most of our meetings are in, you know, urban places and loud places. And um, sound is just sound, including your neighbor's breath. <laughs> so that's just part of their practice. So don't worry about being a distraction. <clears throat> you know, likewise, if you you know, start having an emotional experience and you start crying. Like we don't need to shelter our, you know, Sangha members, the neighbors in the meditation room or meeting um, from the sound of emotion or of breath or of whatever's happening. So I would encourage you in your practice to investigate just allowing your breath to be shallow and seeing that part of your mind that says, I need to take a deep breath and seeing is that, is it true or not true? Just asking, do I, is it really true or is it okay to breathe shallow, to be this relaxed? Um, and if, you know, and if it is the, that the body wants a, a deep breath, then just accept that and take a deep breath. Um, that's my sense. I, I tend to uh, be able to kind of my breath definitely slows down. I, I my heartbeat slows way down to like 50 something, uh, in long-term meditation. Like the, the whole system starts to, to slow down. Um, I went in for a surgery a few years ago and the, the uh, knee surgery from a motorcycle accident and the pre-op people were like, are you like a marathon runner or something? Um, because your heart rate is so low. And I was like, nope, I'm actually pretty out of shape, but I meditate a lot. <laughs> and meditating a lot has just sort of dropped my heart rate, you know, so. Great, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Chuck, go ahead. Um. Yeah, I'll... Uh... I'll just, I just have a kind of a follow-up comment or, or question about the, the breath. Um, in, in my practice, if I'm, let's say I'm, I'm doing a tonglen in my silent meditations or a, a feeling tone or a body scan, then I'm, I, I'm not aware of the breath at all. But when I'm doing breath work, that's when it, um, just like the previous question. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of a constant um, challenge, I'll just say, to keep that up. But sometimes if I'm doing it like a counting, you know, one to 10, 10 back to one, then I'm less, um, you know, feel like I'm controlling. But just breath work is... It's difficult, but, it, but I don't have a problem with that. It's just, um, it's kind of part of the practice, I think. So that that's all I 
all I have. Yeah, I, I, it's very common. Uh, and some people, even after years of meditation, feel like I can't really pay attention to my breath without feeling like I am breathing and I am controlling it. Um, so, and and some people after some, you know, years of meditation practice are able to settle into that. Uh, oh, this is just awareness of the breath. And, you know, it's not uh, me. It's just the body breathing. One of the really liberating insights that can happen when we can get to that place of realizing that we are not breathing, but that the body is breathing us, <laughs> right? That there's not a, it's an autonomic, the body just breathes all by itself. And when we can realize that and relax into that awareness that knows the breath, can really help us break our addiction to our minds. We can start to realize just as my body breathes all by itself and I'm not in control of it, all of, you know, we have influence over it. You know, we can choose to take deep breaths or shallow breaths or can choose to hold our breath, but ultimately the body breathes all by itself, you know, without our permission, <laughs> like when we're asleep. Likewise, the mind. The mind thinks all by itself. And, it, you know, it has all these fears and worries and doubts and cravings and all of this suffering that's created in the mind all by it's not even personal. And it's the mind's job to think like it's the lungs job to breathe. And so the more we uh, I've found in my own recovery that the more I've been able to see, oh, this isn't personal. The body breathes all by itself. I've been able to apply that to my mind. So much of what's happening in my mind, not personal. It, the mind just thinks all by itself and it likes to worry and it likes to reminisce and it loves to resent. And it, it, it's got a great habit of craving pleasure and a great habit of, you know, hating pain and all of those things, but it's not me. It's not personal. It's just what the mind does. It's the mind's job to think about the future, the past, just like it's the lungs job to get that oxygen and oxygenate the blood system and, you know, bloodstream and, and the heart's job to pump it out and keep us alive. Thank so, you. Yeah. Welcome. Jeff, go ahead. All right. Uh, thanks. No, thanks for being here tonight as well. Um, my, uh, what, what came up for me when you mentioned that mindfulness will, that could deliver the whole Dharma right, right there. Um, and that really resonates with me and I'm thinking about it. So, uh, just to share that we're, um, what's, what's coming to mind now. So like, I'm thinking in the past, you know, there, the struggles were with substances, with alcohol, with, uh, not resisting. So where I find a lot of issues now is with food. And that has always been the case, um, you know, away on a retreat, I can, think about the whole ancestral history of the tomato but you know that's there get away and three salesmen are calling me and i'm you know pulling into the fast food joint um you know not so much i'm aware of it and i i'm also aware that i'll eat so you know i've been able to unpack these thoughts where i might just be thirsty and i and i apply eating to it you know i'm angry i apply eating etc um and I have a regular practice, but what I'm wondering is in noticing that, is there like a short, like what you'd call it, like an emergency field 
uh, an emergency field short meditation or something. So like, I know I'm going to, I know I'm susceptible here. Um, and that's part of the mindfulness, I think, you know, Hey, this might happen, but, um, like a short practice or something to sort of bring that awareness to that. This is what's happening. I'm not sure I can phrase the question even accurately. It's just that, you know, I can say no to crack and cocaine. That's no problem. Uh, you know, pizza and a, and a, a Claire, not so much. Right. I mean, I like what you were, I don't, I don't know that there's a shortcut, um, short meditation practice. Maybe what came to mind for me is like the feeling tone. Like when we're in that emotional eating or that habitual of really kind of trying to check in with that second foundation, what's happening in here? Uh, you know, and, and if we're, what is, is like, oh, I'm, you know, there's some unpleasant emotions or uh, it's, or it's, or there's all this craving for pleasure. I want that, the, the dopamine hit of the junk food or whatever it is uh, of naming that and just being able to in the, in the moment, sit with it and be like, oh yeah, this is craving. This craving is like this. Um, and then you know, that's the tricky part of making the choice to not satisfy it. And, you know, because, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm craving and uh, I'm craving an orange and that's okay. I can have an orange, but I probably shouldn't have the pint of ice cream. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like um, I can't, you know, uh, and redirecting it and saying like, okay, what's really happening here is that I'm, my body's craving sugar and can I have a, you know, a healthy alternative or my body's craving something heavy or, you know, can I have can I choose something other than the junk food for it? And I like what you're saying too. Like how often are we just really thirsty? Like what, what if I, you know, drink a couple glasses of water and then see how I feel before I make a decision. Hydrate first before I, you know, pull into the pizza shop. Yeah, welcome. I'm going to yeah, just thanks. take... One more. Um, Joe, I see. Okay, the last two here, and then I'm going to call it. John, go ahead. Thank you, Noah. And thank you, everyone, for your questions. Um, I'm going to be sober um, two years come November. Done many drugs, but alcohol was always the drug of choice. And I've been in refuge recovery. Um, nearly the same amount of time. It's been a very good experience for me. Um, I'm having a craving to go on a silent retreat, which is often talked about. Um, but it seems a, a little daunting and scary. And I was wondering, um, how does one really, does one just go and continue your practice? Or how do you prepare? How, how might you suggest one prepare oneself to be on a silent retreat and all that your the expectations are? Well, you're asking me. So uh, I definitely have a uh, just jump in mentality. Um, I started going to silent meditation retreats when I was 19 years old and, and in my first year, uh, maybe I had maybe I had a year, year and a half, something like that of sobriety, but I was a mess. 
<laughs> and I went to a three-day silent retreat and I survived it. And I was like, okay, there's something here. And then I went to a five-day and then I went to a seven-day. And then I, so I really think you just jump in. Like you're three years sober. You already got a meditation practice. You're already ahead of the curve. You'll come, you'll, you know, there's, there's some challenges in being in the silence, but you'll be fine. You know, you come. I, I know one guy who at 90 days sober, uh, something like that, did a 90 day silent meditation retreat and he survived it. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I, I don't have a lot of advice for prep. I think you just come and you'll benefit deeply from it. Okay. Thank you. Teresa, last one. Oh, hi, Noah. Yeah, um, I'm just really new to uh, Buddhism. I was wondering if you have any books that you could recommend for someone who's just starting out. Um, I don't because no? I don't, okay. uh, the, only the only reason I don't is because <clears throat> refuge recovery, this is a refuge recovery thing that we're doing here. And refuge recovery is against our guiding principles to kind of as a, um, you know, organization to endorse any other traditions or teachers or anything like that. But there's a whole bunch of great people that, that individually, and I would individually, but not on a refuge thing, uh, recommend some books. But uh, most of what you need to know is in the refuge book. Okay. But there's a, lots of other great Buddhist books to read as well. The last thing I'll say about that is also be careful because there's a lot of great Buddhist authors who aren't very ethical people and Buddhist traditions that aren't very safe to be involved in because of the lack of ethics and uh, in some of the Buddhist traditions. So uh, read all of the books, but be cautious about getting involved with some of the organizations. Um, it's my warning. <laughs> May any goodness that comes from our practice and discussion tonight be shared with all of the suffering addicts. May we each recover, and together may we create a positive change on this planet. Thanks for tuning in tonight, and uh, hopefully I'll see you the first Thursday next month. I'm off to slam dancing. Good night. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.